I bet that hurt. There is no such thing as pain. A little bit. And welcome to the Whovian Review. I am Michael. I'm Shelby. This is Colin. I, I, I'm, I'm Jace. I'm sorry for the pause. I'm Carl. And tonight we're jumping into the war with the Centaurans. Well, war of the Centaurans. Excuse me. Yeah, so right off the bat we've got an episode title that sounds very classic who. And we actually have Centaurans who are very classic Centaurans. Yes. Just, just coming in with their armies, delighting in war, just, you know, consistently brutal. Not only do they actually mention Lynx, but they actually have the same kind of armor as Lynx had when they first had Lynx back in uh, The Time Warrior, which is Sarah Jane Smith's first adventure. That was quite a sentence. And Lynx is? Lynx is the very first Centauran that we come in contact with who actually claims a stake on the Earth as some, for the Centauran race. Um, and doesn't go so well because the Doctor's involved. Oh, man. Number three. Well, the most fearsome spuds in the universe edit again, coming to Earth. And, you know, when does this, like, uh, take time? Civil War era or so? Crimean era, uh, war. Exactly. And I just, I loved how, because this is the second time I've watched this tonight, I loved how at the beginning when the Doctor was talking about the Russians and everyone was like, Who? And I also thought it was funny because they said who and it's like Doctor Who and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then you just find that there's no China, no Russia. It's just Centaurin. But the classic character of Mary Seacole was also actually in this. And she was actually there for the Crimean War. So the fact that she's in this makes this kind of, a, gives it a bit of a historical setting. And there's, circle some, edge. there's some epic battle scenes in here between, you know, the British and the Centaurans. But not I, quite, I, not I, quite, not quite epic, more like blood high blood. production yeah, value, blood I think blood is what I want to mean by that. I but thought yeah, it was I, really pretty, yeah. No, the no, bird's I think, eye view. I think, <laughs> I think it was about the bloodshed. I remember myself thinking like, well, this is a scenario where if I had, if I was holding the British flag or if I was holding like, a gun, I'm pretty equalized <laughs> next to my peers here. What I really, what isn't getting me much more in this fighting equation? What I thought was kind of great and kind of bad at the same time is how the Doctor, not just in, like in this episode, but like throughout her era, but I also want to point out in this episode how the Doctor handles sexism. Like everyone just talk treating her like a doctoress, like she doesn't know what she's talking about, and I was you know, kind of angry for her. I was thinking like, you are not a Doctor, you are the Doctor, you're not just a woman, you are the woman, and the fact that she has been relegated to, like, this little, I'm just going to refer to her as a nugget of a person, and she just kind of went along with it because she knew her place, which is so incredibly unfortunate. 
kind of, unfortunately. It's a sign what? of the times. I, yeah, I thought, um, I loved that. I thought she did episode. it very, very, very I well. It, it could have been preachy. So well. It could have been super yeah. incredibly feminist. But she was like, I am the doctor. I am a woman. I know my place. And sometimes I just need to let things play out. And at the end of it, he came like basically begging to her, like, please help me. You were right. Yeah, and I actually, um, but I, I, I like the depiction of, of the sexism in this because I Which is feel weird like to say. It, it is. It, I feel like a little uncomfortable saying it, but like, but it was handled. Well. It was handled, it was handled well, well. well because, like, we look in these historical stories, and yeah, there was there was sexism and racism. It ran rampant in the past. I mean, let's not deny that fact, and we see that being thrown on the companions repeatedly mm-hmm. when we, you know, they go into situations and they're just like, "Oh, I'm this modern woman, and you're treating me, you know, poorly and such," and. We haven't seen that, I think, done as well with the doctor as a woman, which has been kind of a shame. And I felt like in this episode, they kind of nailed it. It could have been by who directed this whole thing. Who directed it? I believe it was a female. Oh. Yeah. So that's why I was, I really wanted to make sure I made that point. Like, as stupid as it sounds, I think the sexism was done very, very well. And I appreciated it. It could have been something so much more extra, air quote, extra than it needed to be, but it was done very well. But that also kind of brings up some... Remember when Yaz ended up in that one place with all those, like, chicks or whatever, the circle or whatever, and there was that old guy from, like, the olden days? Um, I would have thought that there would have been, like, some racism there because, of course, Yaz is, like, a person of color and this is, like, your stereotypical Mm -hmm. white man. So I'm, like, they're interacting so well whereas i'm remembering the peter capaldi era where peter capaldi literally punched some dude for treating bill like a lesser and then we look here and it's just like this white dude talking to this person of color as if nothing but as we've been talking it's also like okay they are in a very weird situation your color of skin doesn't really matter right now it's more like what the hell is going on so at first time when i was initially watching it i'm like this isn't historically accurate but once i step away and i take some time to reflect it's like okay no one knows where they are and how like that's the last thing that matters and that's what i really liked about that scene are you saying that in some ways the best thing to fight against racism would be an alien invasion honestly yes Actually, I think that would be a very great unifier, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, yeah. Also, I, I don't think it's fair to just blanket statement that, you know, because there were was a lot of racism that everyone from the time was racist. Ooh, I 110% agree, but typically in cinema, that's how it's that depicted. Way. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing real quick is that the director was, in fact, Jamie Magnus Stone, so it was a male, but he nailed it. Oh, if it was a male, then I love him. I will bear his babies. Like, he did a great job with this. Yeah, I think there's been some writing lessons from prior seasons because, honestly, I feel like uh, there's been some forced girl power elements, you know, from prior seasons. And I think this was really done well. It was, like, a strong female lead portrayed as it should be. Yeah, and it with was, With other like, strong female characters that they've been, you know, using consistently so far in this season. And it was, like, a it's male... much better. It was a male tearing a woman down and the woman just being like, or the doctor being like, I know my place. I'm just going to let this ride out. And, you know, as time progressed, it was like, yeah, you were actually right. 
please help me. Like it worked its way around to that level of equality that needed to have been there, but couldn't have been there. Well, it's not like he fully accepted her though, because he did like go behind her back and blow up the ships. Oh, without a doubt. Can we talk about that for a second? That's just when she said, sometimes I wonder why, like I actually stand up for like humanity. And the other woman was like, well, thank you. Like and the doctor recognized. was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's because of people like you. Exactly. I thought that was such a powerful moment because he was an example of what is horribly wrong with humanity. Like, he's the one who sent his soldiers out to die despite her warning, despite her being the doctor. And he just needed to calm himself down and, like, you know, fill his own ego and do all of that stuff and not do what's right. Talking about the doctor, I felt that this is probably the most doctorish that Jodie Whittaker has been. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. 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 She, she a doubt. I think, shined as the doctor in this particular episode. And that I have to give her credit for really working the script and working well. I mean, it probably could have also been the directors and And the script. And yeah, yeah. let's be frank. I feel like I've, I've always been harsh on the script. I feel like, you know, Jodie Whittaker has been a wonderful actress and I've seen a lot of potential but i kind of feel like the script has been working against her and i don't know if she broke out and lobbied against the script or the script got better with feedback but uh, i feel like this is finally more aligning and coming into its own chibnall is known for his six part um seasons for all of his other work that he's done and he does a far better job with his characters with his direction with everything that he does and his scripts are are typically well received um, I, I wish they'd done that from the start then. I think, well, the thing is, is that Doctor Who was run by the BBC for the most part, and they and they wanted a certain number of episodes, I'm guessing. And so he was contracted to do a certain number of episodes. Had he been able to do just eight or six well, but throughout he, a season? Well, but he was given 12 for a season, so he could have done two six-part stories. He was given 10, I think, for each season. But wouldn't that also be an issue given that that kind of situation is more classic Who than New Who? Like people, well, the current, that would have been a hard change. Not only yeah, do we have a female true. doctor, but we also have these like really long stories. Well, in this case, yes, season 13 is very much like a classic six-part story, although it's a much extended version. Well, well, you know what I think the difference is? I think there's a very very big difference between a 23-minute episode and a 45-minute episode. For sure. Oh, when, for when, sure. For it. So, because I think that when you have these longer stories in classical, it's also like every 20 minutes you've got another cliffhanger, you've got something else going on, whereas, you know, every 45 minutes having, you know, a kind of another wrap, cliffhanger, another cliffhanger is, is, is a little bit more, you know, bearable. But I, I agree with that, but also I think it's just, it's this is set up like a classic Doctor Who episode. It was yeah. very much. Like it's Doctor building episode. upon itself. I think there's a really a lot of elements introduced in the first episode. I and still I think maintain it, that one focused. dude could have been introduced in this episode, though. What dude? The, Vinder? The, yeah, like he could have had his whole introduction just be put in this episode. It would have like made things, you know, a little and less. And then you go back, back in time a little bit later, like the 1820s guy. 
I like everything yeah, that I've seen of Vinder like, so far. Yeah, but he's like transported that. through time. Well, and, but, but the problem still is that he only had a very small part. We have no idea what the heck's going on with him. It could be explained more later, too. He just disappeared. I'm sure that he it walked was... in and walked out literally for maybe a couple seconds. I have a question. Not a question, but what was the name of the main villain, the guy that looked like he was in that Born This Way music video? Swarm? Swarm? Oh, Swarm. Swarm. Oh, the guy who looked Swarm. like Tim Shaw? Swarm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been calling Calling him Day of the Dead guy. <laughs> I have been a thinking about that Lady that. Gaga born this way music video because there's like a skeleton in that where she's like draping yeah. herself on. Especially if he's actually her Day of the Dead, you know, masquerade. Oh, yeah. this is like a real. Like I was telling Shelby, like, am I, is it weird that I'm like weirdly very attracted to him? I, I said no. It was very uncharacter for oh, you. I, I don't know if that kind of I don't find him very attractive. Halloween and skulls and of course a little bit. Yeah, um, he is. A, I think he's one of the most yeah. interesting foes that the doctor. Oh, I remember had. my point. I remember my point. Oh yes, he is one of the most interesting foes that the doctor has had because we've had the doctor suffer from amnesia in the past, but never amnesia like this. We've never. I've personally never seen the doctor as lost, confused, and almost not hopeless or helpless, but just not know what on earth is going on. So you're so, you're so right. I mean, in this case, you know the. Compared Even to all hardest. Yeah, compared to all other Doctor enemies, you know, this enemy makes everyone else look like such a linear creature. Well, actually yeah. that that was that was what I was gonna bring up is that it last episode it seems like we very obviously had this entity that came from the Doctor's mysterious past, which could certainly still be the case. But in this episode I felt like they introduced the possibility that it's not that because they knew Yaz and everything about her and Dan and all this stuff and so it well time is tiny well and then they made that comment about how you guys perceive time as linear so I think that they are creatures that perceive the whole expanse of their own lifetimes like really squiggly almost wibbly well they can perceive it all at once so they have the they have memories of the future and whatnot so they actually memories of the future is a beautiful like statement. Thank you. Um, they yeah. might actually just be fighting the doctor and and Yaz and Dan during this like six part story, and but it takes place over like hundreds of years because it's you know a lot of time travel and stuff. And then like for them, it's like the expanse of that much time, and they're like, oh, it's been so long. Interesting theory. I think that's a great theory. I also think it would have been. You know what? Scratch my statement. I'll shut up. <laughs> you know what? I'll say it just to say it. Just say to, it. I'll just say it. It's not good, but I'll just say it. I just thought it would have been interesting if, like, this episode would have been the first introduction we had to the swarm, as opposed to, like, that first part. And then mm-hmm. later on, we got introduced to that first part to see kind of his origin, like, kind of switching. Yeah. I, I think yeah. one of the major problems with the first episode it would have made is that sense with that, like, have... wobbly stuff. The problem with the first episode is you have so many introductions to eight, nine, ten different plot points, and there is no resolution to any of them. And you and a lot of them are dropped in this case, because in like, this episode we had nothing to do with Weeping Angels or Claire. We really didn't have much to do with the 1820s set, and it, it seems like some of these plot 
lines could go nowhere, which is something that Chibnall did in the last two seasons. It, you're so right. It, it seems disorienting. It's very but disorienting. I like that. Because yeah, it leaves you, because there's six episodes in this. Like, we don't know where it could go, how it would work. If they threw in the Weeping Angels, the 20th century, and everything into this one episode, it would have been way too much. Right? I, it was it's, way too much last episode. Yeah. The thing is, is for me, I think... It all depends on how it's wrapped up. There are, there's potential for this to be quite epic and very well played out. But, but the problem is, is that there are too many questions for the audience. And sometimes when you throw, like Stephen Moffat did this all the time too. If you put too many questions in the audience's mind, they may actually lose track or not even care anymore as to what the heck's going on. I disagree. I I have a question and I'd like to go on a small rant, but you can disagree. I want to go on a small rant too. Okay. Let's all rant then. I'm going to start off is my question is this. Why couldn't we see the Doctor and Yaz traveling together, just the two of them? Listen, I had a huge argument with Michael regarding this. Okay. Like, why couldn't we have the Doctor and Yaz, just them, two oh, badass women? Right. Okay, I'll sit down. All of that obviously <laughs> oh, oh. happened off screen, which well, is not necessarily well, a good thing. I would have no, loved to see the... that. They're such a great duo. It, like, it I would have loved to see so female great. Doctor, female companion, same relationship as the past relate, like the past companions, but the same energy. I would have loved that. Just yeah, that. I want to see more of what I saw in the in the opener of the first episode. Exactly. I, I love know. that dynamic. All right. Let me continue my, my rant Sorry. here. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Um, and I'll go into my rant, then I'll you can finish down. your rant. But, okay. but yes, I, I or you can largely agree with that. And I, I think that it's... I, I really liked the historical figure that they put into this. And, and Dan seems great. Yes. But, like, it was so frustrating because it was like... For that brief moment when Dan, like, disappeared or whatever, I thought, oh, oh my gosh, they're actually going to have an episode where it's just the Doctor and Yaz. Thank God. Like, they were teasing it. They, like, it was so much buildup. I was so excited for it. And then they just were like, oh, yeah, this stuff happened off screen, blah, blah, blah. And it was so frustrating. And I thought, oh, they were just joking. And then it was like, oh, no, they Couldn't weren't Couldn't we kidding. just get one episode? Like, just one full episode. I just know, Just the Doctor right? and Yaz. Like that, that that was that was frustrating. I think like they, she's such a we'll great companion. The, pro- the problem is that the implication that they set up in the first episode is that Yaz and the Doctor have had a long period of time. But I want to see themselves. it. We want to see it. We yeah, understand that it was. We understand that it was implied and that it was yes. off screen. And but I like we that. An but we should could have, have seen that. like one episode before. Oh, Dan I, agree. Up. I agree. I Even don't. Even if it was like a special or like a yes, spin-off. Well, let me see it through the swarm's eyes, not so linear. The, like, prob- the problem. The problem with doing it that way is that it's very disjointed. The audience does not have any connection to Yaz and the Doctor as a duo other than the fact that they have a couple scenes together in that first episode. So I totally 100% agree on the fact that Yaz and the Doctor needed more time on screen as opposed to We're just venting how we just wanted that no, I can tell you do. <laughs> just unrelated to this. Like, that's what we wanted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think, like, dialing back a little bit to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, in episode one, there was so much going on, a lot of new elements. A lot know, was, it was going on. It was disorienting. And exactly, even I listened to my podcast uh, last week, and we said a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and there was a lot of a lots going on, and it was warranted. I, I feel like this episode... Got a little bit more focused, and there were mm-hmm. still plenty of elements, but they were building upon themselves, and so I, I hope they can, they can keep it 
in a real trajectory moving forward and to also address everything that they did open up in the first episode. But I, I'm excited to see this long-form, continuous story, um, you know, going on through a season of Doctor Who. I'm excited to see the Doctor Who version of Han Solo and Chewbacca. Oh my gosh, I love, I love those two uh, dynamic. Oh my god, yeah, it's so funny. It's so great, it's just so interesting because in Doctor Who, I would expect something like this coming from the classic era where there's just some kind of mysterious race of dogs looking after their humans. It's like, kind of a Douglas classic. Adams move. It's... <laughs> I could, very, I could see that in any doctor. I mean, who wouldn't love a fierce warrior that can also, like, you just want to go up and pet, you know? Oh, yeah. I want to that. And the fact that they that. kind of, like, love, hate each other, I think works out very, very oh, it's well, it's so too. good. I hope, Man's best friend I hope, saved I humanity. I wholeheartedly ship it. Yeah, while. And, and while the rest of, you know, the galaxy and, and beyond seems to have to take care of Centaurans from the back, he just shoots them from the front. It's like, end of story. He's like, I still got a human to take care of. Move out of the way. <laughs> yeah, this is my responsibility. He takes charge. I can see this know? being coming a character that everybody absolutely falls in love with. Because it's going to be a bad wolf I've spin-off. Already a fallen bad wolf spin-off. In, I've already fallen in love with these two characters. <laughs> I know what I'm going to be for Awesome Guy next year. <laughs> Come on. Dan, Dan is... I, well, what's our feeling on Dan this episode? I think he's... He's oh. hilarious. He is funny. He stepped I, up. Come on, he went on a Centauran ship. Yeah, he yeah. literally watched some humans being, like, completely gunned down. incinerated, gunned down, vindetted, and he kept going. <laughs> yeah, right after a nice touch point and, with Ma and Pop. Exactly, and that, that, that was crazy because he literally sat there, watched these human beings be annihilated, and kept walking through and sneaking around as the Centaurans saying, kill any human you see. And it was as he was running around being the only human there. Like, he has balls. Also, he, he totally pulled off that yeah. uh, that, that <laughs> doorknob thing much oh, better than Donna it. did. If you recall, when she called the doctor, when she was faced with it, she was like, uh-oh, you, only, you have to have three fingers. Oh, yeah, no, he went straight uh, for the... Yeah, he did go straight for the Centauran three-finger thing. And that kind of what proves that the Centaurans are super dumb. Like, the fact that, like... Yeah. <laughs> we, we, you could easily just, <clears throat> as a human, be fine. Yeah, they need to upgrade those scanners and detect if it's human or Centauran. Honestly, maybe recharge in cycles throughout the day. You know, Instead right? of all at once. Maybe not everyone <laughs> in the same seven-minute period. You well, we need to... Take shifts. We needed to figure out a way for the Doctor to win. But honestly, at the first episode, I don't think it gave us too, too much. Like, we saw in, like, the preview after the fact that we were... I don't want to spoil it for other people, because personally, I don't like seeing the previews. Well, then don't. After. I'm not. <laughs> Shall we don't assume my positions. Um, but we see extracurricular activity and characters coming through. And I don't think the first episode gave us too much, personally. Like, all we got from the first episode was, like, there's a new character, there's a weeping angel, and a centauran. There were, like, then, a ton of new characters. <laughs> okay, well, and then there was a swarm. I don't think it was too much handled. The only thing we didn't touch base on was the weeping angel. And I was fine with that, because, you know well, what? It's six yeah. episodes. We'll get back there. It it's was six clear. episodes. 
Yeah, Claire, we didn't touch base. I didn't. And she specifically said, "You'll like see." Or Vendor, Vendor's the guy that ended up with with Yaz in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by Vendor, and I like the character, but I also don't think he was very fleshed out in this episode. No, I don't think. I hope he's leading up to something interesting. He could be, or he could just be a random dude that just happened to see the universe going. He crazy. could also have a background I mean, that. Comes how disappointing would that be? Like all that this time spent, yeah. you know, uh, glimpsing Adventure, and then he gets snapped, you know, up by Swarm. Is, but that's the reality that of life. Like sometimes you meet people and you encounter situations, and then it just disappears. Like, he I does, feel like that's he does seem like, from a plot development standpoint, I feel like we could have seen more from him. He does seem interesting. If you yes. were going to build well, him up yeah. there just to take him away in episode two. Well, let's talk about this cliffhanger. That's what happens in general. Like, for, with any for, TV for show. How many times have you watched TV shows where they took out someone you really liked early on? Like, that happens. It's the reality of cinema. Like, Attack sorry. on Titan is Or, you know, I mean, Yaz's life <laughs> is threatened right now at this moment. Yeah. And when the we're fact, after the cliffhanger. The fact that the cliffhanger didn't stop at one and instead it stopped at the snap so you knew the snap happened was incredible like that's the biggest thing that got me they could have stopped it at one and then ended snap up but no can, he did the snap and the snap meant that stuff was going down can we talk snap can we dragon. say marvel universe <laughs> Thanos, oh a famous moment i think so when he when the swarm would kill somebody it does the same thing that thanos basically yeah. did except gayer it's true. <laughs> okay but, can, can we talk for a moment about the uh the floating pyramid glowing pyramids that Think mm-hmm. time is even. Oh, you mean on, on time it. planet? But then, yeah. But then, then they're on a planet called time, and maybe that's what they were talking about. The more time he... must be contained, or else it'll go crazy because time itself is evil. Uh, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I, I couldn't tell. Like, like are they talking about the flux, or are they like an? Like, is the flux I heard time? that time is evil, and you know the doctor has been fighting against time. I personally cannot understand a word they were saying. I was just going along with it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of timey wimey stuff. I mean, there was a lot of implications. We didn't get a lot. I want to know who would win in a fight between the flux and the crack in time. <laughs> Only you would think that, Shelby, and I appreciate that. They're like, I mean. Let's see how the flux plays out. But so far, they're like two of my favorite villains. I would have to go with the crack in time because the crack in time would just simply erase the flux. You'd think so, but or then like the, the flux, flux, flux was totally flux unaffected by, by, by time energy. So <laughs> is there other energy that but it's is also the crack, unaffected by? But is the crack time energy? Um, what is the flux? Is this flux time energy? Is it energy versus energy? Maybe they cancel each other out. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe at the end of it, it's all just a fraud. Maybe they complete <laughs> each other. I love uh, that. I think we have to mention Svild, the uh, injured centauran played by Dan Starkey, who oh, yeah. of course played Strax. In oh, the, my, I, I made fun. notes about that situation. So I thought it was interesting, not interesting, but I thought it was super unfortunate, yet super fortunate when he went back to the centaurans and he got totally obliterated by them. Because not only was it like, <sighs> oh, I gave you very important information but also that wasn't good enough will kill you it kind of paves the way for how the centaurans are how they have no mercy how they're like super disciplined and who they are as a race like well, i feel like it's that worse was very important he was like i'm gonna do something merciful by executing you that's i'm getting a lot of dalek vibes but like on a very 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 stupid level well it's like <laughs> it's it's 
it's similar to the Daleks and the Cybermen in that it's like all kind of leads to the same sort of behavior and it's all, you know, very single-minded. And for the Centaurans, it's war. They love war. They're obsessed with it. It's with all their pride and everything. Like for them, like they want to fight and die on in battle and they feel like if they kill someone in battle, then that person achieved great glory and should be thanking them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much their whole shtick. And I love Strax as a character. He's fantastic. But, like, it's like I feel like we haven't in New Who seen enough of, like, regular Centauran behavior for, like, for that character to really make, you know, as big of an impact as yeah, you do. Yeah, and, and, and such Centaurans There's like no regular Centauran modeling either because... You know, it just seems like they are a little bit more differentiated from Centauran to Centauran, and they don't all exactly look kind of like Stretch. But that's also why watching all of the Doctor, like, eras is super important, because you'd appreciate the Centaurans a lot more if you actually watched the Peter Capaldi era, because you know where those Centaurans are kind of coming from, and now you know why Strax acts the way that he does, but he's not like them. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know? Totally. Watch all of it, not just Jody. She's great. It's actually unfortunate because, like, I enjoyed watching Jodi, but I didn't really think it was ever, like, good. However, after watching this episode, I was actually, I think the proper word would be devastated to see that she was going to be leaving soon. Because I feel like this was the doctor that I wanted to see this whole time. I want more of it. And unfortunately, I was cut short. But... I'm glad that she at least got this as like her last few episodes. Well, she's still got seven episodes, so yeah. I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like after seeing everything that we did, like they were good, but I think this was like great. Like this was the Doctor that I've always wanted, and we're gonna get more. But it just, I feel like I'm going through a breakup. It it does feel more like it does feel more like she is the Doctor in this series. Yeah, it feels like finally. Yeah. I mean, the whole the whole production feels more "quote unquote" Doctor Who, and this is the end of her reign. Well, that sometimes you you get it right at the end. It's better late than never. Exactly. I feel like she really needed this, and that way she goes down in the books as being that female Doctor. And then Russell takes over. Yeah, and also I feel like it's you know good for Chris Chibnall to not have had totally awful reign. Yeah, let's yeah. see. We can, I think we can end on a high note. There's a lot of potential here. There really let's is. Let's see what happens. All right. Well, in that case, we should probably rate this episode. Can I just say, I think we were all super passionate about this podcast, and I think that was really awesome. Besides me. Well, you were kind of just observing the passion, so you got a front row seat. I can see the passion. You observed me stand right? up and like get excited, and then Shelby had to Carl, get Jason you got excited down. about uh, Okay, who wants band? to rate first? Carl, um, perhaps? Oh, uh, that was then, um, well. <laughs> well, in that case, I would love to rate first. I'm just going to dig my heels in here. Wow. Your um, heels. Oh, okay. I, I didn't want to steal any thunder. Carl, back to you. Back to King Carl. He wanted to give you a moment. <sighs> Do you want to go first? Um. You can go second. Yeah, I'll go second. Okay, Carl. Well, second. <laughs> first is the worst. Second is the best. Yes. Third is the one with the bird in the cage upstairs in their room. No, no the bird on the chest. Oh, that's where he likes <laughs> that one rhymes, yeah. so I'll go with that one. But in going with this episode, um, I really did like some increased focus here, and I like a lot of building on elements of the past 
episodes. It makes me have a lot of um, goodwill towards the future of this season, uh, just because I, I see a lot of common you know threads and relationships developing in a positive way. I think there's a lot of momentum here, and it can build. I think it has potential to be like something like lost and get really lost in the weeds with a lot of different things that you can't all wrap up in a really cohesive way. Um, but I'm very optimistic about this. I think this was a fun episode. Um, I really loved all the characters. I thought Mary was badass, as we've talked about a lot. I think the Doctor was portrayed very well, and Jody played it very well. And um, there were just a, a lot of fantastic nods to, I think, some classic Doctor Who. I love the Centauran action. For me, this episode is going to get an eight and a half after out of ten. I'm going to, going to go for that half point there. And then I'm really going to bump up this season right now just based on my excitement, based on the flow, based on the rhythm and the vibe of the time. It's going to be an 8 out of 10, as we said right now. Okay, I guess it's uh, my wait, wait, no, hang on. Uh, what are you rating the story so far? Is that also an 8? So the the episode is an 8.5. And, and the story is an 8. And the story as, as a whole so far is an 8. I see. I can go. Okay. I said that without thinking. Um, I really love this episode of Doctor Who. It made me super excited of what's to come. I have I haven't been involved with Doctor Who as long as many people here have. Um, the first Doctor I became involved with was um, Christopher Eccleston, and that wasn't even in current time. So Jodie was the first Doctor that I actually you know, started watching, like, in current time as it was coming out. And I think the Doctor has progressed so much as an actress and in her role as a Doctor in this. Um, I don't have very much to say as I was very passionate in how I talked about um, this episode. Um, I wasn't here to rate the last episode, um, but I think I'll rate the last episode as probably as... I would say... An eight. I thought it built the story up very well. This episode, I really thought, brought it all in. I was super excited. I was at the edge of my seat the entire time. Um, I think for both episodes combined, I'm honestly going to give it a 10 out of 10. I loved it. I thought it was Ooh. super good, super well made, um, and left me wanting more. And I'm also going to give this episode a 10 out of 10 as well because, like I said, I wanted to keep seeing it. I love how the Doctor, like, was portrayed. I love how it was directed. I love how it was scripted. I love how they brought back people in history. That's something Doctor Who is known for doing. And I feel like that's something that has been done in the Jodie Whittaker era, but it hasn't been done like this before. But, yeah, that's all I have to say. Carl? Y'all are just putting me on the spot. Here. Well, we're trying to get you to talk, child. Well, they put me on the spot every week, Carl. They always want me to go first, and they push me, and they push me. It's not even a little bit true. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of is. I usually don't have many words to say. Did I sound like I had many words to say? You got this. Go. Um. Well, I liked how there was a lot of power behind it I um I did enjoy how it kept me um like 
energetic. Like, it, there was a lot of energy in this, and it kept me, like, like Jay said, on the edge of my seat. Though I was on the edge of my seat anyways because I was eating. Um, Carl. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I really love the duo of Dan and the dog. And also... The dog. I, I don't know they what have, it they is. They have a better term yet. It's, it's Carvanista. Scooby-Doo? Carvanista. Scooby-Doo. Why does he have to have such a difficult name? I know. What's wrong with Carvanista? It sounds too much like a pasta dish. Carvanista? We should it make does. it. I'll make it for you guys next time I come over. Okay. They'll be shaped like dogs. It'll have some hair okay. in it. So, um, Stan and Carbonara. Okay. Yeah, I really like that duo. They're really hilarious. Um... Honestly, there's a lot of humor in this, and I really like humor. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I do really like all the makeup in this. Like, can we just talk about that for a second? Like, You can. Especially, well, yeah. Uh, Swarm and Monsieur? Yes. I loved that. I kind of want to try it as well. Good luck. I know, right? Um, Also, what are they called? The Mori? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved their makeup. They were very mystical feeling. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they were gorgeous. But I I also was very confused as to why they weren't, like, these all-powerful beings. Like, they could have taken down the swarm easily if they were all powerful being like they they're on a planet called time so i kind of want to see what they are exactly more so if there's any left well that's true (laughs) yeah um i don't really have many thoughts or feelings per se do you have a rating for us I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> no rating. No. Okay. Shelby. All right. Um, I love this episode. I thought this was great. This was this one uh, had me having all sorts of you know reactions through the whole thing. I was smiling. You know, I was smiling through the whole thing. It was great. Visible facial expressions. We saw it many yeah. times. It was pointed out. It is true. By um, me. But it, it was. I I just yeah. I thought it was great. I thought the dialogue was good. I thought you know the storyline was you know gripping. I thought that the characters were done well. I uh, I thought the Centaurans were great. And um, I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, seeing more of this destabilization of time coming through with, like, you know, the flux, feasibly. Um, And it's just, uh, it is kind of interesting going along. I thought that, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't, like, perfect. We've talked about, you know, a few things that were annoying through it, but I thought that it was really good and... um, my favorite one of this era, and I will give it a 9.5 out of 10. Um, and I'm going to give the story as a whole, I'm going to bump it up to a 7.5. 
out of 10. These are such low ratings. I just gave it a 10 across the board. I was like, let's get it. Let's see what's on for next week. Well, and everybody has a different <laughs> opinion on this. And You're not so allowed much, to have so different much opinions. Of my ratings depend on the future, too, you know. It's just like, you know, the, the season's title, my ratings will be in flux. <laughs> yeah. All right, Michael, take us out. Well, okay, so let me start off with, with what I thought was a little bit interesting and, and not quite as positive as some of the other stuff that's been mentioned. One, for, for me, the whole idea of the sonic screwdriver constantly coming out 100% of the time gets a little old. And to see that someone's dead based on the ground, you don't really need a sonic screwdriver to tell you that. Um, I think that was slightly overused in this episode. Second, what would the doctor do written on your hand? I don't know that that was necessary for Yaz, because Yaz is, should be a strong enough or decent enough character already that she would already think that. She would already be thinking along the lines of the Doctor. Become the Doctor. Kind of like a Clara thing. No so writing, yeah. writing that down on her hand Can was I a little bit odd for me, per se. Um, I will say that the classic Santaran look is stellar. They've upgraded it for the times, and it looks amazing. The special effects in, these epi- in the last two episodes, especially this one were the best special effects that Doctor's ever seen. We've never seen it this epic before um, in terms of visual. The, the visual cinematography, the direction, the, all of the artistic senses with regards to this episode were extremely well thought out. It wasn't just one little thing, how people were positioned when they were dead on the battlefield, how people or how... They were positioned when when they were dealing with the Centaurans, where the where the mom and dad and everybody were located and running around with a walk in your hand. It was just that was all just kind of really well choreographed, done just perfectly. Um, and I think we have to mention the humor. One thing is that if you're going to do a Centauran episode, you're going to need to have some sort of humor. Yeah, and. Thank goodness they brought Dan Starkey back for this episode because I think he's kind of the quintessential Centauran at this point. Yes, we needed a commander, and yes, they're a cloned race, so not. And I'm sure that there are multiple clones. They're not cloning just one person over and over, or one entity over and over again. They're probably cloning multiple entities over and over again, which would explain why there's multiple different looking Centaurans throughout the years. But for the most part, I really like the continuity with the Centaurans themselves. Um, Jody was amazing in this episode. Yaz was kind of sidelined, as I think we've mentioned. Um, but she's still looking like a companion that I, we would want to see with the Doctor one-on-one as a result of her strengths. I think she does have some strengths in this particular episode, especially when she meets up with um, the one dude. Um, what's his name? Ah, Vinder. Yes, keep forgetting Vinder. Um, I'm going to give this particular episode an 8 out of 10. And I believe overall the story arc, which is still a little confusing, I will keep it at a 7 out of 10 for now. 
given the fact that we have a lot more to go and I'm not going to judge the whole story on a whole just yet. You That's just fair. did. <laughs> well, we have. Yeah, well, we have to. Yeah. When, um, when okay. I, I, I do want to say, though, I, I do think that it, it is kind of in character for Yaz to have that written on her hand because remember when the doctor was in prison, she got very obsessed and, you know, Thank you. developed, you Thank know, you. probably some quirks. She spent, like, all of her time in the TARDIS obsessing about the Doctor. So it kind yeah. of does, like, it, it kind of works. And I think it might be an extension of, like, that plot line for her character. Because keep in mind, she still does look up to the Doctor. Oh, I agree with that. And she was an officer, so she, all she's trying to do is learn and be better. So what would the Doctor do? Who else would you want to try to be other than, like, the protector of, like, mankind and Earth? Like, it makes sense that I, she would try to be the, or, you know. I guess it's kind of like the, the little child looking up to the role model, in this sense. Because typically, model. writing on your hand is not something most adults tend to do. Yeah, but you try to be in that situation, Michael. No, I agree. But also, when did she end up having a chance to write it in the first place? Well, I mean, think, think about it, too, that if, you know, she's, like, ever, like, you know, oh, what do I do in this situation? <laughs> like, what would the doctor do? Or, like, think about, like, whenever you're in something, a difficult situation, like, I'm sure you're probably thinking about someone or a situation or thinking at least about your therapist or something on how to handle something. Difficult. I feel like there could have been some really amazing acting that could have come out of that, that... W- as opposed to it just written on her hand, though, is my point. Is that I it, think it was just a really good opportunity for the swarm to just be yeah. like, I know who you are, and this is. Oh, a good I example. agree. There was definitely a point to it. Obviously, I'm not saying that it was the worst thing idea ever. I'm just saying, yeah, a hokey. You know, I feel that way about the walk because I, I, I thought, you oh know, yeah, that 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 I had to give it to him. That was a pretty funny line, and the guy did a good job delivering of it. Like, oh well, I guess I'll you know go take walk out of here. But um, like, it was the most impractical pan to use when fighting the Centaurans because those people. Like clearly knew how to fight Centaurans that you had to vent in the back of their necks, and you'd want like a big flat bottom pan. And who only owns a walk? Well, maybe a walk might do the trick too. Maybe that's all they could grab just, at the would, time. It would be harder. It would. It's like to have that rounded bottom. It's just sure. like you have to hit it just right. Sometimes you got what you got. You need to cover. Yeah, it's just you know, you'd have a better chance of hitting something. Although I mean, this the doctor seemed... brought us slingshot and nailed it. Well, yeah, but she's the doctor. This oh. walk, yeah, I yeah, like doctor. Bottom. We saw like the the physical, you know, interventions. Like put somebody to sleep for six hours. We saw the slingshot to the back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was pretty. That's fun. pretty empowering stuff. I hope that in later regenerations of the doctor, they just bring back the slingshot and are like, oh yeah, I've always been skilled at slingshots. You should have saw this one time. Actually, I think the slingshot, this is a reference to classic Doctor Who. Oh, well, the that's fourth, why I don't know. The, Tom Baker's Doctor had a slingshot. Jace, you should take your own advice. You were just saying earlier in this podcast that you should watch the entirety of Doctor Who. You know what, Shelby? <laughs> you can hush. I've been doing better. Michael and I actually, during you know our quarantine, watched a lot of um, Peter Davison, a lot of Sylvester McCoy, and a little bit of Tom Baker, and a decent amount of Hartnell. Yeah, and there are true lost episodes of Doctor Who, right? I mean, so yeah. feasibly, just about everybody needs to catch up. And, and, and some episodes another, that were exceptions. Lo- there were some episodes that were lost and then came back to us from space. True story. Mm. 
From space specifically. Yeah, like you bounced off something in space and came back. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Michael, we're joking. Do you know what a joke is? Uh, yeah. Okay. any rate, that is the Whovian Review for this week. Hope that you can tune in next week when we rate the next part, part three of six. All right. Talk to you guys then. All right. Take Goodbye. care, everyone. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Bye.